in the 8th chapter. We're going to pick up verse 28. And really, uh, the entire chapter deals with the Spirit of God. Uh, it, it, there, there's this consistency throughout the 8th chapter, dealing with the Holy Spirit, and the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's a number of things that he is doing uh, listed here in chapter 8 for the believer. And uh, whether it be part of the ministry of the resurrection or even for us today, and then no doubt as we come to this familiar passage in verse 28, it all revolves around what God is doing in us and through us, and that is through the work of the Holy Spirit. If you know verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And so as we kind of take that passage this morning and use it, if you will, as the center of what we're going to be talking about, it is uh, no doubt... Um, just this encompassing of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. God, uh, His foreknowledge, God sees every aspect of life. He sees it before it even happens. All of this is taken into consideration concerning the good and the bad, uh, the righteous or the evil. And uh, one might think that there is a God in heaven that kind of orchestrates these things in a medieval type chest game or, if you will, in some kind of perverted way to uh, hinge uh, people um, with, with His will. That, 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 that's not the case. Uh, God loves us. God cares about us. God um, he is working in our lives, but it's all for His glory, and it's for the good. It's for your good. It's for our good. Let me just remind you that the work that Christ is doing uh, has not finished within us. And uh, it is for us, and it's His work, and His work is a good work. And we thank God for what He's done in our lives thus far, what He's going to continue to do. No one ever prays uh, in the sense of, give me hardship. We pray like this, Lord, give me patience. But in essence, what we're praying for is that there's hardship that we would go through to develop those attributes of patience. And it's not always something that we pray in that manner, Lord, give me the hardship. But we're praying for patience. And so this is what the Holy Spirit is doing uh, through hardships, through difficulties. Uh, and I love verse 31. It goes in correlation with verse 28. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us and no doubt there's a number of things that are against us if you think about our flesh the devil the economy our society uh, the spirit of the antichrist the devil himself and his demons uh, just a continual mob if you will of things that are against us but in essence what we're seeing here he answers a question by giving a question and it's really one of those things in the old testament as you go to the book of psalms and it demands that spirit of pondering where he would say Selah, you know, to stop and pause on that musical note and listen to the goodness of God. Who can separate us from the love of God? Verse 35, uh, uh, from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation? I mean, he gives a list of different things. Uh, again, in correlation to verse 31, also verse 28. Read it this order. Read verse 28, then we'll go to verse 31, then we'll go to verse 35. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? Well, here's the comment. Here's the end result. This is what we're going to say. If God be for us, who can be against us? That tribulation that you're going through, is it 
God working in your life? It may be the devil, but it's amazing how God even uses the things that the devil throws our way to transform us in His, His likeness. Then verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Are you going through tribulation? Are you going through distress? Maybe persecution or famine? Nakedness? Thank God for your clothing, right? Amen. I haven't went through that rough of a time. Peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, no. In all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him that loved us. And then he goes on, verse 38, verse 39. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is an amazing passage. And it all revolves around the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in this chapter. Basically, five things I want you to notice here. Just by way of introduction, the work of the Holy Spirit, what He's doing in our life. Uh, notice number one. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation or judgment to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Again, as we look at verse 28, and we know that all things work together, there's a way to walk in the flesh during those times, and there's a way to walk in the Spirit during those times. And I would encourage you to see the Holy Spirit working in your life. He says in verse 2, and and, and it's basically uh, a continuation to this thought of walking in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Uh, There's no judgment, if you will, for the child of God who is walking in the Spirit. God is going to put you through testing. God is going to put you through trials. God is going to put you through uh, these moments of, of, of difficulty. But it's for what reason? That you would choose in that moment to walk in the Spirit. Do you get stressed with the issues of life? Do you get stressed with work or children or relationships? Do you get stressed with bills? Do you get stressed with age? difficulty, things that don't go your way. And in that moment of frustration, we can fly off the handle. We can uh, cuss. We could um, uh, uh, get mad and scream. We could do a number, kick the dog. You know, you could go to, I don't have a dog. Go to your neighbor's house and grab their dog. That won't go over too well. You could do a lot of things or walk in the spirit. He says in verse two, just this continual. Number one, we see this thought of, Walking in the Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit is enabling us and offering us to do. He says in verse 2, the new law of Christ or the new law of the Spirit sets us free from the law of sin. This is, again, in correlation to verse 1. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit is, uh, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us what? Free. You should circle that. Free from the law of sin. In essence, the flesh doesn't have to control you. Mortify. Mortify. Uh, that's what he says in verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit, through the Spirit, how do I do this? Through the Spirit. What's the next word? Do, say it with me, mortify the deeds. Good deeds, bad deeds, things that we do. The deeds of the body. Do you want to have good memories in your life? 
you know, I think about my children and uh, just how I, I'm making memories, whether those memories be good or whether those memories be bad. And I want my kids to look back and I want them to see that um, there's a spirit of consistency with dad of making good memories. And what I mean by that is not just going to Disney, not just going on vacation. I'm talking about the hardships of life. Using those times where that's pivotal memories. That's life-changing memories. Vacations, okay, that's great. But I'm talking about character development here in the life of my children. When we go through hardship and they watch us as a family serve God together. And that alters the course of their life. We're leading by example to mortify the deeds of the body. Verse 13, the very last three words, ye shall live. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So there's a few things that the Holy Spirit is doing. Verse 1, he enables, he allows, he gives us opportunity to walk in the Spirit. He also allows us to be free from the law of sin when we do this. If you will, verse 13, you can go down again. Uh, for if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. Uh, through the Spirit, we can mortify the deeds of the body. He says, but if you through the Spirit do mortify, we have this opportunity, uh, this enabling. AA meetings don't do it. Some kind of uh, therapist won't do it. It might help for a moment. Uh, and even, if you will, the Bible won't do it if we don't allow the Bible to be applied to our lives. It takes more than just coming to church. It takes more than just a, if you will, a study approach to the scriptures. It takes this continual spirit of honesty and this continual spirit of, of readiness to, to, you know, I was talking to one of my children uh, this week and you need to work on this. You need to work on, how do I work on this? Think about what you're doing before you do it or what you're about to do or what you're wanting to do. Is this Christ honoring and that's hard. Is it not hard? It takes practice. No one said patience is going to happen overnight. These, these fruit of the Spirit, these virtuous things that God enables us, they don't just simultaneously. They're lifelong. You can have it accomplished today, but tomorrow wake up and mess up miserably. And so this thing is a continual act of the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. If you will, look down at verse 16. And before we go to verse 16, I want to back up to verse 11. This came, it, it, this just jumped out at me so very clear. We're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Do you know that He did a work in the resurrection of Jesus? He says down in verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead, the Spirit of Him, the Holy Spirit of God, had some supernatural part in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before or not. You know, I've always kind of thought to myself, he, Christ did it, Christ did it. But the Bible talks about the third part of the Godhead, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit having a part in that resurrection. That's amazing. Even in the gospel, all of these things, we see the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think about the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's done by Christ. But in this passage, he talks about the work of the Father, he talks about the work of the Spirit, but he also talks about the work of the Son. And they go together, hand in hand. And here we see, even in the Gospel, the good news of salvation, the work. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell where? In you. That's the key. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also 
Say it with me. Quicken. Quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Are you quickened in the sense of salvation? Absolutely. That thought of being made alive. Again, it goes in correlation to verse 13. And if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall what? Live. Think about that word live in, in connection to verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, make your bodies alive, uh, your your mortal bodies alive. And, uh, uh, alive, and that's another word. <laughs> Living your, your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. In other words, how can you act out the Christian life? On your own, you can't. But you can act it out. That word acting is what it is. But to live it is something different. Amen? And, and this is what the Holy Spirit does. Now look with me down to verse 16. This is pretty powerful. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. You have a spirit, and then the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit lives inside me. Do you know in this passage... The Apostle Paul also gives distinction between the Holy Spirit and his conscience. There's a lot of psychological uh, therapists that would try to mix the two as if there's one to do away with the Holy Spirit and say that's just your conscience speaking there. They're two different things. But here we have, verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Think of that. I know who my dad is. I don't have to. Uh, I couldn't change it. I, I, I couldn't change it if I wanted to change it. Um, but you hear from time to time, and you look just like your dad. You look just like your mother. You act just like your father. There's so many traits there. And when we think about the Holy Spirit bearing witness Bearing to, to, to press down upon, to have some kind of to, uh, weight of measuring. The Holy Spirit is speaking. Do you ever feel like you're not saved? You're in the flesh. Angry in the flesh. Bitter in the flesh. Jealous in the flesh. Discontent in the flesh. I mean, we could go on and on and on. But he's talking about all of these things in correlation to the work of the Holy Spirit. Again, we're mortifying the deeds of the body and we shall live. He says in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children then heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him. Notice this. He takes us into this par par uh, parallel of suffering. Because when you do not act out in the fleshly manner, when we don't submit ourselves to the flesh, there can be elements of suffering in one's life that come upon you by the choice of allowing uh, your 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 deeds to be mortified by yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit. 
He says, verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Again, Lord, I want patience, but we never pray, God, let this day fall apart so you teach me how to have patience. But in that moment when the day falls apart, that's the sufferings. Sufferings, what, it mean, what does it mean to suffer? To inflict pain upon the body. We're talking about crucifying the flesh here. And it's not easy. The flesh doesn't like it. And that's the sufferings that the Apostle Paul is talking about. And through all of this, when we mortify the deeds, he says, I reckon <laughs> that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. Don't allow your flesh to win. Don't allow the devil to have victory over your life because it's not worthy to be compared with the glory. Notice this. It doesn't say the glory that shall be seen or the glory that will be from, from God. But the Bible says the glory that shall be revealed in us. Look in verse 18. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed, which shall be revealed in us. Now there's two ways to look at that. You can suffer in life for a moment, and then finally that suffering comes to an end, and you're still in this life. What are you saying? I think there's two ways of looking at it. The sufferings that he's talking about ending in, in that ending the glory of God being revealed in us is when the child of God surrenders to the Holy Spirit and enables the Spirit of God to mortify the deeds of His body by that choosing and yet going through that moment of suffering and at the end of that having a testimony coming out pure as gold. This is what God has done now. Have you ever seen someone lose a family member and they were a child of God and they just they, they didn't know how to handle it, or they knew how to handle it, but they didn't handle it in a Christ-like manner. But then you see someone who lost uh, someone through death, and they handle it with such grace and power of God. And through all that, what does it do? It, it's the glory of God that's revealed. The word revealed meaning that it's shown. People see it. People see how you act in these moments of life's sufferings. And it's a testimony to the power of God through the Holy Spirit in our life. I think also the revelation it's being revealed is in the end. At that, when all of this is done, this life is over. And, and it's revealed in us um, who He is and what He's done. And no doubt this present time could be a moment, a chapter in your life. It could also encompass your life in totality. Life is filled with trouble. The troubles today may end next week. Next year, there could be a whole different set of troubles. And yet, your trouble may be different than mine, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit that can allow both of us to have patience, both of us to have long-suffering, both of us to have forgiveness, both of us to develop. What, what is God putting you through? What is God putting you through? And, and yet, it's for... Again, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called 
according to what? His purpose. I don't like this. I don't want this. This is not my purpose. It doesn't fit in my plans. It doesn't go along with what I want in my life. And, uh, and yet, what is God's purpose? That we, sure we have a job, sure we have things, sure we have a family, sure we, but you know what? It's more than that. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Look on down uh, to, look in verse 26. Verse 27. He says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our what? Infirmities. I mean, Holy Spirit's working, the Holy Spirit's working, the Holy Spirit's working, the Holy Spirit's working. Think of it like this. 26, 27. Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Let's read the next phrase out loud. For we know not what we should pray. Have you ever been there? I just don't know what to do. Or, it's not, I just don't know what to do. It could be, I don't want to do it. And I'm not praying like I should be praying. Why? Because, again, the sufferings are not easy. The change is not easy. Again, verse 6. Look in verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's easy to read, isn't it? Who wants to be carnal, carnally minded? Raise your hand. We've got a good group of Baptist Christians here. Who wants to be spiritually minded? Raise your hand. All right. So look back in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Does he touch your body? Sure. I don't think that's really the infirmities that he's talking about. We often pray, Lord, help this person be relieved from this disease or this illness or give them grace. But we should be praying, Lord, don't take them out of this world. Keep them in this world and teach us how to walk with Christ. Right? He says, verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. These groanings mm, can't even be with, uttered with words. I, I, to express all of that is to say that you have love from the Holy Spirit. You have intercession from the Holy Spirit. You have standing on your behalf. You have the comfort of maybe a father or a mother, parental guidance in one's life. The child doesn't know what to pray for, but I do. So therefore, I'm going to pray. And then it cannot be uttered. Meaning that sometimes we don't understand because we're so flesh. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according, say it with me, to the will of God. What is God's will? Why do bad things happen to good people? Or why do bad things happen to Christians? Why is it, as the psalmist looked 
on the laws and said they're getting richer and we're getting poorer. Why does this man, everything he touches, it turns to gold and everything I touch, it just seems to fall apart. It could be that God loves you. You know, as the Bible says, uh, Solomon speaks about, you know, with children, not giving that child everything they want. And this is what God does in our life. We know that no is needed in life and it develops character. And so you, you see throughout the entirety of this chapter, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now think about verse 28. This is the meat of where our message for the next 20, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Let me give you this. I've got three points. I want you to notice verse 28 and verse 29 really deal with how God works for us today or the way in which God works in our lives today. And I want you to just pull out simple things with us. He says, verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. I want you to notice, first of all, God works. God works. God works behind the scenes. God works around the corner. God works uh, in darkness, when people are blinded to seeing the hand of God move, God is working in your life. In your life. In your, it, did God work in your life yesterday? Yes. Is God working in your life today? Yes. Is God going to be there tomorrow in your life? Working? Yes. God is working. It's inevitable. You cannot deny God's work in your life. This is not destiny. This is not the universe. This is not chance. But this is God. God is doing all of this. God is doing all of this. And you see it in verse 31. He says, what shall we say uh, to these things if God be for us? Is God for us? Is God for you? Is God, on, is God your cheerleader? Does God cheer for you? Does God want the best for your life? Does God desire uh, you know, for, you, for you to serve Him, to love Him? Does He want you to be happy? Does He want you to be, have peace? Absolutely. Absolutely. Verse 36 he says, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Does God love you? Yes. So I want you to be reminded of this truth. How does God work for us today? Just notice, number one, that God works. He has a work. And it's a good work. Number two, God works in all things. All things work, say the next word, together. He works in all things, but He works in all these things together. Meaning that you cannot separate the hardship from the, the good times. As this is God working, but this is not God working. Does God love you when you're poor? Does God love you when you're rich? Does God love you if your tire is flat or if you've got brand new rubber on your car? God loves you all the time. He doesn't change in His goodness to us and how He expresses that love to us. And what He is doing here is that He's showing us that as a parent loves a child, that even when it's Christmas, that parent's love is, is evident. But in moments of discipline, that parent's love is evident. 
The child doesn't understand that or the child doesn't want to receive that. And we would love for it to be mountaintop. But let me remind you, on the mountaintop, you've got snow and rock. You, you don't have the grass. You know, people talk about the hardest area of life is in the valley. No, the hardest area of life is hiking up the mountain. The valley is where you get healing. The valley is where you find peace. The valley is where you find the milk and honey. And don't throw away your valley. Don't allow the hardships of your life to, to go without acknowledging the hand of God in your life. Don't throw them away. Trust God. Lean upon God. And, and, and know that God is working. All these things together. If you will, in the same chapter, look in verse 18. He says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amazing. He used the present time for His good to show His glory. The present time is needed for me to live as Christ. But to die is gain. And Paul said, I'm in a, I'm in a, between a rock and a hard spot, right? It's better for me to go. But for you, it's more needful. And for that, for me to stay, all things work together. You know, this phrase assures us that God's work, God works through everything. That God is seen in every circumstance. That's why he says to rejoice in the Lord always. That's why he says to give thanks in all things. Because you don't see God working, but that doesn't mean that he's not. That means that he is. If you will, when we see God working, take it to know. But when we don't see God working, take it even more to know. Have faith in that moment when you don't see the hand of God. The Bible tells me God's hand is there. In that moment, I can please God through my faith and trusting in Him in every situation, no matter how many, how weary, no matter how, how tiresome, no matter... How fruitless life may seem in that moment. God is working. You know, God is working for the good. For our good. But it's for His will. Um, allow rejoicing in your heart. And uh, does it mean... The smallest, shortest verse in the Bible was what? Jesus wept. Does it mean that I have to throw away my emotions? Does it mean that hardships of life are to be hysterical in a sense of uh, I've lost my mind and I'm just laughing as a mad person? No. But it's a sober reminder of the love of God that God is there, that God cares, and that these things need to be pondered, pondered on the more when we're going through those difficult times. Uh, uh, look also in uh, verse 28. It says, And we know that all things work together, say it with me, for good. Again, uh, for good. Look in Philippians chapter 1. 
Philippians chapter 1. Someone uh, might say, well, I thank God that he didn't allow me to date the girls that I dated, but he allowed me to date the wife that I had. God didn't give me the job that I wanted, but I had exactly what I need. God didn't allow this child to be born in our life at that time because I look back and see the hand of God. But now at the right time, the right moment, these things are responsible, mature. And they are a clear understanding of God's will in our life. The foreknowledge of God is seen. Philippians chapter 1, let me remind you of this verse in verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is God's work. And it's good. And then if you will, in this verse it says, To them that love God. There's two distinct connections of relationship Connection of the relationship that the person has with God. To know that God's working in your life. Number one, you could ask yourself the question, is God working in my life? Number one, if I love Him, do you love God? Do you love God? Now when we talk about God, we know we're talking about Christ. These things go without being said, but it's a world that we have to say them because people need to be reminded do you love Christ? Do you love Christ? How much do you love Christ? In what way do you show Him? What did He say to Peter? If you love me, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my hands. There's an act of service in our love. There's this expression. There's this outward showing of God. I love you. I love you. Did Peter mess up? Horribly. Was he without sin? Absolutely not. But God knew that he loved him. And in that moment of weakness, Peter needed Christ to say, hey, do you love me? We need to be reminded of what we love. When everything is taken away from us, what do you love? Do you love the, the job more than Christ? Do you love uh, the acknowledgement or the recognition more than Christ? Do you love the money more than Christ? Do you love someone more than Christ? Sometimes we get so passionate about a certain thing that we forget that Christ is the one who can deliver that thing. We idolize or we uh, idolize. That's, you know, the root word, idol. We, we, we put this person or put this thing on a pedestal uh, 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 so great and so mighty and so high and so lofty that we forget to look at Christ. And he's the one that can enable that. And so, um, to them that love God, look over in 2 Corinthians. Man, I've got so much more. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And look down in verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, through, uh, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ as a new creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I ask you this morning, do you see the love of God in that? But do you also see the love that we should have for God in those verses? Absolutely. You see the love of God in, in, in um, well, look over um, verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live to himself. He, looked, he, he died for all. There's the love of Christ. Look at verse 14. For the love of Christ, what? Constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Do you see the love of God for your, for your life in those verses? But what about the love of God that you should have in return, reciprocating to Him? He says, verse 18, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us what? The ministry of reconciliation. To wit. You know, do, do you speak of these things? The word reconciliation, it means to bring back into fellowship. It means to connect the broken. You know, it, it's almost as if... Uh, and I've been working on my truck here lately, so I'm going to use this analogy. You've got all of these wires that hook to your battery. And you take one little clipper, and you can clip that wire. Maybe one end of that wire has electricity, but the other end has nothing. And, 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 and I, you know, we need to be connected to Christ. So we can have that power. So we can be used. Whether it's your radio, whether it's your uh, headlights, or whether it's your, your, you know, I wouldn't say cigarette lighter. I guess I am in a Baptist church. I'm in the north, but if I was in the south, I definitely would say it. You know. you use your cigarette lighter. You might use it for a cell phone charger, right? There you go. But to be used of God. And to have God using uh, you and, and touching you and flowing through you. And uh, I, ju I just praise the Lord for chapter 8. And it's really powerful. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you give us direction for the next hour to come. Lord, that you just... Uh... Lord, this is such a powerful passage. And it needs time to be taught and be received. And Lord, these are mature things. These are deep things of God. Lord, these are the things that sometimes we don't always acknowledge that we need to and we love you for. Thank you for your goodness in Christ. And we pray. And turn with me to the book of Exodus.